Hi, welcome. This is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. Thankfully, I'm here with Dr. Julie Brown. Hi, Dr. Brown. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> it is my pleasure. Dr. Brown was one of my emergency medicine instructors when I was in residency, so I've known her a long time because I'm old and I've been out of practice now. For... Well, not as old as I am, <laughs> I know, currently. Right? Um, out of practice for 11, or out of training for 11 years. So about 15 years ago, I met Dr. Brown. And she's an expert in pediatric emergency medicine. Um, she trained her medical school, it was at McGill in in um, a different country, Canada. Uh, and then she came to the United States and worked at multiple health systems, ultimately ended up at Seattle Children's and then did her fellowship there. And she's really spent a lot of time learning about ingestions, the risks and in the environment, the risks after kids basically swallow things they shouldn't and ways to avoid it. She works really both clinically in the emergency department. She's a researcher and an investigator, and she does a lot of advocacy and policy work as well to help take the voice of basically children who live in environments that could put them at risk um, and, and translate that to kind of governmental and policy and research and academic spheres. But also she's here as a mom and a, a smart clinician to help us figure out why magnets and button batteries and the things in our kids' environments can be so dangerous. So thank you so much. Thanks. L- long ago, yeah, she did a bunch of media a few years back when um, buckyballs and these earth magnets were getting a lot of press. I remember going to your office and you showed me like a slide deck of I don't know how many different of these kind of crazy magnets. And I realized I had a number of them in my house and I had, I think, toddlers at the time. So this was, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, probably. So anyway, so let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk. Let's start with magnets. OK, and help help us understand why there are different like why we need to worry about magnets. Let's start at the top. Well, you know, magnets, I think, have always had the potential for causing risk to children, but it's becoming increasingly a problem as we are seeing these rare earth magnets that have incredibly strong attraction, and they um, are available in so many more products than they used to be. So um, they're kind of everywhere, and they um, are in products that are marketed to children, but there are very specific regulations around how a magnet has to be contained in a child's toy. But there aren't similar regulations around the use of magnets in products that aren't geared towards children. And that includes things like um, Bolton board magnets, fridge magnets, um, toys for adults, which are things like these little spherical um, magnets like buckyballs. Like so, little fidget toys almost that sit on your office desk, right, and yes. you play with them. And they're actually cool. I mean, that's the thing, right? They're very engaging. They are, which is why they were um, so popular and why yeah. they've become so ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that these are fun little um, fiddly toys, but um, they also are extremely dangerous if swallowed by children. So let's talk about that bimodal distribution. So who who's at most risk for these earth magnets getting into their bodies and causing harm? So the most ingestions in, occur in children under three, but they can occur in older children. And then there's a second peak in the teenage years because these buckyball-type magnets um, also are used by teens as um, fake piercings. So they'll stick one on the top and on the bottom of their tongue um, and pretend they have a pierced tongue. And then they um, accidentally swallow it. And then they may say to their friend, oh, can I, I swallowed it. Can I have another one? Because And then they try it again. And then they swallow that one. And they end up with multiple magnets ingested. 
Well, so let's talk about that. So, so, and uh, sorry, I said kind of bimodal. I mean, so there's two groups, right? The kids that we think of who can get into stuff in the environment, like up and out of reach, those kids under three who put everything in their mouth and don't know what's good or bad for them. Then there are these teenagers who kind of monkey with stuff and play with stuff and put themselves accidentally at risk. Pathophysiologically, like what happens when two earth magnets go into a body and why do you have to have two to cause harm? So it's the, the attraction between them. So it's generally two magnets, but it could even be one magnet and one metal object. Mm-hmm. And if they end up um, in two different loops of bowel is what happens most often, or even in the same loop of bowel, but with a little bit of bowel mucosa stuck between them, then they attract each other so strongly that they erode through that bowel wall. And so um, they cause little holes. They cause the bowel contents to leak into the, the abdomen, and they can make... Um, a child extremely sick with um, bacterial infections, Um, they can also cause that area of bowel to die called ischemia. And sometimes um, the uh, part of when this happens, part of the bowel has to be resected. So these can be life-threatening injuries. And certainly even um, if children don't die from these events, they can have a significant uh, serious illness as a result. Yeah. And just to translate that or reinforce it, I'd say, you know, what's really concerning often in young kids is you don't know how many they've swallowed. So if you've got a big pile of these magnets in your house, you know, um, you don't know if your three-year-old had one or two. The lovely thing about magnets is that you can see them on x-ray. So if you ever worry that a child has had an ingestion, they may not in the beginning actually have symptoms. So it's always worth talking with a clinician or a pediatrician and even a regular office to say, gosh, I don't know. If, if you ever have earth magnets and an exposure, of course, you'd want to look. But as Dr. Brown explains, it's that one magnet goes in maybe, and then let's say a half an hour later, another magnet goes in, or they leave the tummy, you know, they're not connected when they go in at the first time. And so then they basically just pull one loop of bowel and it gets stuck to the other one in the belly. And you've seen these kids in the emergency room, correct? I have. I've seen kids lose 10 centimeters of bowel. I've seen kids who had to go to the operating room multiple times. Um, I've seen a lot of really serious and scary injuries. And I think that was what fueled my passion for trying to advocate for better regulations around what um, magnets are on the market and how they're sold. So what what's the data like? I mean, how I mean, I think because I think there's an illusion. I mean, it feels, I think, in the public like this is not such a big deal. Right. So I think it's kind of like, oh, I'll sneak these earth magnets in my house. Oh, I'll, I don't I'm not going to make sure this toy that I got on vacation in maybe a country that doesn't regulate this. Right. I mean, that's the other thing. We can bring things back from that have these earth magnets, which I've done <laughs> hand raise on that. Bring things back from foreign countries that have earth magnets only to realize, oh, goodness gracious, these have earth magnets in them that could come out or a toy could break and they'd fall out, et cetera. Um, what what's the what are the numbers? Well, if you look at the um, Consumer Product Safety Commission, they have reports that these may be happening something like um, 200, close to 200 times a year. But mm-hmm. that probably really underestimates what's what's truly going on because there's no mandatory reporting of these injuries mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at studies of single hospitals, it's probably something more around 10 a year per hospital uh, that not that are being evaluated for these potential injuries. That number is probably much larger than that, but that truly have these ingestions. Um, and if you multiply that by all the hospitals in the country, it would be a much bigger number than yeah, yeah. The, the central data well, that's suggests. that's so true of all these kinds of risks, uh, often underreported, right? So it yeah. feels even smaller that way. Can, can we dial it back? So 
what is an earth magnet? Like, what what's the material? Why are they called that? What are these magnets made out of? Well, they're made out of mostly neodymium, which is a rare earth, and I I can't tell you too much about it except yeah. that it creates an extremely strong magnetic attraction. Yeah, some of them are. I mean, the bigger they are, right? They're hard to pull apart. And they yeah. can be, that's why they're so effective at grabbing onto each other and not letting go inside the bowel. They won't just move along like a large piece of food in your bowel. They will right. just get stuck and be stuck there. And bowel wall is very thin, so it doesn't yeah. take much for it for two attracting magnets to um, just erode right through that bowel wall. Yeah, and that's bad, right? Because the bowel is a tube. It's in your belly, and nothing from the inside of your bowel is ever supposed to be outside of your bowel and your belly. And the minute that it is, uh, is very dangerous. It's like an appendix rupturing. I mean, you should think about it in the same mm-hmm. way that way. It's that dangerous for a child. So I think the public really understands, gosh, when you worry that a child has appendicitis, you go right to the emergency room. I mean, this is the same kind of thing. But it brings me to point out, you know, what can be so hard about magnets is the way that kids present. So it can look very much like so many other things. So figuring out in a young child if they've been exposed and even figuring out from a teen that maybe doesn't want to tell you that they've been playing with magnets. So how is it that kids present? I mean, what symptoms do they have? Well, the the scary thing is that it's it doesn't have any symptoms for quite a while. And by the time it does have symptoms, a lot of harm has already been done. So um, trying to make the environment safe so that it doesn't happen in the first place is obviously the best way to go, but also seeking care early, as you mentioned, if you suspect an ingestion at all, even if the child has no symptoms. When they do have symptoms, they may be things like abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, um, if it's been going on for a while, they may have fevers. But uh, but as you said, all of those symptoms could mm-hmm. also be the stomach flu. So it can be really dif- di- uh, difficult to separate yeah, or like it school and identify. Avoidance. It can sound a lot like not wanting to go to school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah. So so I guess the goal is there, there had been some legislature that changed things, right? So tell us a little bit about the pol- the politics or the policies around these earth magnets in our, our kids' environments and our environment. Well, um, when these... Uh, toys for adults, these very small magnets, um, became very prevalent a few years ago, and we started seeing these injuries. The Consumer Product Safety Commission tried to develop some guidelines around what products should be available, and they were successful, actually, in um, removing these products from uh, manufacturing in the United States. And... um, had very strict guidelines, but then the companies that sell these products took that to court and actually won late last year the right to sell their products again. So, um, why, why was that? I mean, why did that happen? I mean, is that I think the numbers aren't big enough? I or? think, um, I think the legislation is very important because what do you allow and what not do you not allow? Do you take it away? They, there were some inconsistencies. They weren't allowing these spherical toys for adults, but you're seeing similar magnets on bulletin boards. Do you take it away mm-hmm. from everywhere it can be? Yeah. Um, these aren't marketed to children, so they don't follow under existing legislation for safety. So I think it was just um, a, a tricky piece of legislation to introduce. And, uh-huh. and these and companies are extremely motivated because yeah, of course. for many of these companies, this is, the, this is the only product they make <laughs> right, and right, market. Right. So right. the um, the existence of the company and the livelihood of, of its employees depends on this one product. So ultimately, you know, there's been lots of media that's been created on how to protect your kids. And I'll run through a list and tell me what I've missed. I mean, number one, 
you got to keep these small. If you have any of these kind of magnets in your house and young children, they have to go up and completely out of reach for kids. Um, you know, that, of course, so Bolton boards, any, any, and you can figure it out. Like any two strong magnets that are hard to pull apart in your house are really strong. You don't want them around small kids. And you don't want your teenagers to monkey around with them. So you have to tell teens if they're in your home environment, if you're going to keep them there, which I don't think you should if you've got young kids. But if you have teens around and you use them, you just need to make sure they understand that. And recommendations also typically include include avoiding purchases of the packs that are like 100 or more or 25 or more because you'll lose count, meaning that if you've got a stack of these big magnets, someone comes over for the holidays and there's a little kid and then you look and you think, gosh, some of them are gone. It's going to, if you don't know how many you've got, <laughs> you won't know how many are gone um, when they go missing. So not buying them in these really large packs. And then lastly, you know, just again, being really direct that, you know, pretending and playing with these to make kind of fake piercings is really dangerous around the mouth or any other, any other space for a child. So what else do you think that we should advise? Um, I, I agree with everything you said, and I didn't have these products in my home when my kids were even yeah. teens, but I also knew that their exposure might not be in the home. So I specifically told my teens mm. not to use these products and put them in the mouth, their mouths, you know, or do fake piercings at school or with their friends. So just remembering it's not only um, you and what you do at home that influences your teenage children. And same thing for even younger children, if they're at the babysitters or at grandma's house. I mean, I had been doing this magnet research for over a year and my mother bought a set of buckyball magnets to give to my children for Christmas. So <laughs> it's you know. classic. It always happens, right? And you're like, yeah. but that just shows you how, because the, they're cool. I mean, I only say that because I'm just trying to give them, like, they, that's why people buy them, because they're kind of cool to play with. But they're just really dangerous in the wrong hands, right? right. And, 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 so, and they're everywhere. So yeah. think about grandma's <laughs> house and um, think about your friend's house. And Julie, house. Julie's, gra- the grandma, I mean, that's kind of crazy, actually, yeah, that she bought that, although that doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Okay, quickly, b- before we end this podcast, can we talk about button batteries? So they're, you know, button batteries are another risk and something that you've studied and spent time on. Tell us about them and the risk for kids and for swallowing. Um, again, button batteries have uh, button batteries are, are the the little round batteries that look like a coin. Sometimes they're a little smaller than that, um, and they are much stronger than the batteries that were available when I was growing up. Um, they're lithium um, batteries that can generate a really high current. Um, but more importantly, the shape of these little uh, disc-shaped batteries that are shaped like a coin are the perfect size to get stuck in a child's esophagus, and the esophagus even even more than the intestine, is has an extremely thin lining that is very at risk for injury. And when a battery is in a wet environment, it undergoes hydrolysis and creates this alkaline envo- environment that, that causes caustic injury. And so in the esophagus, a battery that is stuck there can erode through the esophagus in two hours. So these can be truly um, life-threatening emergencies, sort of lights and sirens for ambulances transporting children to a hospital that can take care of them. So most, and so this is just a reminder, I mean, they're, because of the number of toys and electronics that still have them, usually they always are demanded, they have a screw, you know, but these batteries go kind of like you empty one, it sits on your counter and it just kind of looks like something a child would play with, right? So most of these ingestions are young kids. Yes. Again, it's, it's under three is right. the, the biggest risk population. Right, right. So, and and just I, your your scientific explanation is so helpful. Even just thinking that the water around the battery allows the current 
from the ba- even a dead lithium battery can can produce a current, and then that will just that current erodes through the wall of the esophagus and can cause a serious and uh, and potentially actually life threatening injury. So those button batteries, if you have them, you want to get them up and out of things and then disposed of uh, immediately in your home because I think they just kind of get. I mean, I, in my experience, it's like you're doing stuff, you lay it down, you're kind of in a it's, it's a holiday time or it's a birthday, and people are putting batteries into things and changing things around, and they're just kind of in our homes at times. Yeah. But they always have freaked me out and around our, our kids. Well, there are kind of two levels in terms of making your home safe from batteries. The first is to think about where they are. So they're in... Um they may be in toys, but toys are usually protected by that little annoying screw yep, that yep, we oh all hate oh changing yeah. the batteries, but yeah. it's so important for keeping the toy safe. But they're also in remote controls and watches and calculators and um, hearing aids and um, bathroom scales and flashlights and key fobs, all kinds of things that are not toys for children. And so right. they don't have the same regulation around the battery the being behind a screw. So it's really important to look at your remote control and say, is that battery safely protected or isn't it? And if it isn't, then you need to do something to make sure your child doesn't get a hold of that because they invariably find their way into that compartment and, yep. and may ingest that battery and you might not know it. Oh, and then the other side of it is, um, as you said, the used batteries yeah. um, and, and the batteries waiting to go into a product. Just make sure they're somewhere safe that your child isn't getting to. And one suggestion that I heard was using an old um, vitamin um, hmm. bottle that has hmm. the safety cap mm-hmm. and putting a new label on it that says new batteries and used batteries and storing all your batteries in there so that even if the child um, finds their way to that drawer or cupboard or wherever you're keeping it, they won't be able to get at the batteries. That is an awesome tip. I feel like I would be like a Pinterest mom if I could do stuff like that. So it's awesome. That's great. So putting new batteries that come into the house, even in the package, you just shove them in that kind of childproof container and mm-hmm. then before you're recycling them, um, throw them in there after that you're done. That's awesome. Um, what else? Did I miss anything? Batteries, magnets, swallowing. Uh, those are those are the biggest ones that um, that cause the most serious injuries. But obviously, um, particularly for small children, you should be thinking about all of the little small items that they might yeah. get and put in their mouth. So sharp things like safety pins um, and thumbtacks and. Um, yeah. Even Have you seen thumbtack? I never even, seen um, thumbtack. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, Ugh. yeah. We've yeah. seen lots of yeah. these. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> strange injuries and little bits of jewelry and, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, peanuts themselves can get trapped in airways and be life-threatening that way. So just um, being aware that children should be eating large-sized um, objects and that you should be careful about the small objects in their environment so you keep them safe. Yeah, those young ones under three. There's a kind of balance of choking risk for size and eating and chewing off of these things, too. So um, we will put more of this on seattlemamadoc.com. But quick reminders, those earth magnets that are very strong, keeping them up and out of reach, but reminding teens about the risk of using them for kind of these fake piercings and then button batteries of any kind need to be stored properly, disposed of properly, and never in the hands of those young kids. If you ever worry or, you know, and I think this is worth talking to grandma and grandpas and all the people who are around, that the great news about all these is that they are radio-opaque. We can see them on x-ray. If there is ever a concern, don't hesitate. If you ever think your child's had an ingestion of anything like an earth magnet or anything like a button battery, it's so much better to get an x-ray that doesn't show us anything than to not intervene early. So don't hesitate. Go and get help. It's so easy to grab a quick x-ray. It's the one thing of investigating these can be can be done pretty rapidly. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown. Thank you. Great the, to be here. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. 
Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from.